this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, it's poll time. Grab your poll. We're going polling. <laughs> poll, 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 okay. poll, poll. I'll, I'll grab my own poll. Thank you. Grab your poll. This took a bad turn immediately. I was I was speaking in terms of the political climate, how there's polls going on all the time. Oh, I thought you were referencing my Polish heritage. Oh, that too. Hey, you know what? I took one of those ancestry tests. Uh-huh. I'm sixteen percent Greek. I did not know well, that. I mean, Greek and Greek and Italy are right next to each other, so. I know, but. This is definitive now. I mean, genes don't know borders. It's, it's all true. within the same area. Jay, love doesn't know borders either. I think, I think that was a song by Michael McDonald in the eighties. <laughs> love, love has no borders. Um. So anyway, so, uh, <laughs> I did that too. Yeah. I, I, Courtney wanted to do it. I think for herself it was more interesting, but for me, I'm like, what do you think you're gonna find out? Like. <laughs> It came back exactly like I could have like written on a piece of paper that what it would come back. Surprise! I'm Eastern European. <laughs> Shocker. Well, what's funny is I took the test like a year ago and it came back exactly how you would expect. It was like seventy five percent Italian slash Sicilian with you know like twenty percent general Eastern European, which I Polish as well, and then there was uh-huh. like like a like a three or two percent like unknown like but then they sent me yeah. an updated one they said they had retested me and i had 16 percent greek and it was like only you know 10 percent eastern european which is weird because i don't know where that greek would come from in terms of there's no last names in our family that are are greek whether they're maiden names yeah. or or anything like that so i don't know how that if somebody emigrated from greece to italy at some point in like the 1800s or what have you so, uh, cause I'm, f- I guess I'm fourth generation. So, cause my great grandfather was, uh, the one who emigrated. So we are way off topic. <laughs> Don't know how we got here. Let's get back on topic. On Jay, the topic of Europe. On the topic of Europe. Here's the bands from Europe that are in our poll. <laughs> and in fact, won the poll, uh, we did have a poll. October poll was run at the, uh, you know, end of September, uh, we had eight suggestions, as we always do. Our patrons voted on them, and it was a runaway winner this time. I was surprised, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I thought there were a couple, based on the comments, I thought there were a couple that were going to put up a big fight, and yet it didn't happen. Yet no fight. There was no fight in this one, Jay. Usually we get two breakaways that kind of scoop up all the votes, but not this time. This time... The winner was dominant, double digits, and the losers didn't break four votes. That's Yikes. That's crazy. So in last place, the drop 19s with Delaware. 
Then uh, two votes, Miracle Legion, Portrait of a Damaged Family. A, bu- a bunch of it bands at th- uh, three votes. Super Suckers, Lamano Cornuda, Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros, Rock Art and the X-Ray, St- X-Ray Style. The Boo Radleys, Come On Kids, and Gandharvis. Gandhar- is that how you say it? Gandharvis. A Soap Bubble and Inertia. And then with four votes was Leatherface Mush, which got a lot of talk. But that was mostly on Facebook, not on Patreon. The winner, suggested by Mr. Ian Wobble, Split by Lush, the 1994 album. Jay, were you familiar with this album? Uh, I wasn't familiar with this album, no. I, I recognize the uh, the album art. Oh, it's the 4AD the- art, yeah. Yeah. So this is what Ian said in his comment. He said, I guess I should vote for Lush since I... Suggested Split was the first album by Lush I heard thanks to TV show Rage playing Hypocrite on a regular basis. The band really stood out from the other shoegaze type bands coming out of the UK and sounding nothing like grunge, very much hyped to be the next thing, which nearly happened when the very Brit popish Love Life came out in 96. But drummer uh, Chris died or decided to kill himself. The band went silent and we never heard from them again until 2016. So I don't know if you know that aspect of the band, uh, Jay, but they did have a tragic uh, loss with their drummer committing suicide um, in the 90s, and that kind of ended the band for about 20 years. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, just a little bit of history. I got I got a, some feedback that I was not using the history of the band jingle this year, so I'm going to give you some history of the band. History of the band. Nice. There you go. Band was formed in London, England in 1987. Uh, they were formed by Mickey. Now, Jay, you'll appreciate this being of Eastern European descent. Her last name, <laughs> it's B E R E N Y I. Now, you look at that, you go, Brenny? No, it's a, it's a hard J because it's Hungarian. Okay. Berenji. Mickey Berenji. Wow. Yes. Because her, um, her family was part Japanese, part Hungarian. The uh, rest of the band consisted of Emma Anderson on vocals and guitar. Uh, Mickey sang vocal, was it vocals and guitar as well. Steve Rippon on bass and Chris Auckland on drums. In 1991, Phil King replaced Steve Rippon on bass. They disbanded in 1996, and they got back together for a year. Uh, 2015-2016, they put out an EP with uh, Justin Welsh. After the band broke up, Mickey Berenji just basically stopped playing music. It was very, I guess, difficult after the loss of um, Chris Ackland. She went up, uh, she became a magazine editor after that. Emma Anderson formed a band called Sing Sing, and they released a couple of full lengths. King played bass for the Jesus and Mary Chain for a while. So they got back together. Like I said, it actually was 2015. Played some shows, did the the, the new EP, and then um, band basically went quiet after that. And then Mickey Berenji and a couple of former members of uh, other bands formed a new band, called Poroshka and their first album Brickbat was 
released in February of this year. So that's the history of Lush. I had been, I had familiar, I was familiar with them basically because of a couple singles, um, Lady Killers, which is off of that Love Life album. You probably heard that at WFALJ. That was like in rotation. Yeah. Um, And then Sweetness and Light was one of their early singles from 1990. That's, I believe, off their first, it might be off their first album, Scar. No, it's on the, uh, sorry, it's on Gala, which is a compilation of like singles and EPs that they put out the same, or in 1990. That was my familiarity with the band. Let's just review a couple comments here, and then we'll get into some more later from our patrons. A bunch, some people actually did choose Lush. Like Scott Whitty said, I remember liking it at the time. Plus, when I saw them on this tour, there were people trying to mosh. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen at a concert. Eric Peterson Dude, said Lush because it I can seems, relate to that. Yeah, like, it seems like one of those bands that was hyped for a moment and never really crossed over. Uh, Scott Russell Hallgram said, what a handful of crap cover art. I will agree this was not the best cover art collection we've ever had. Not not the best. A bunch of people went with Leatherface, like Matt Gorey said, I'm going with Leatherface. For me, Mush is an all-time classic punk rock album. Steve Musinski, I voted for Leatherface because they're one of those bands that I've heard just enough to know I like them, yet I still haven't committed to any one album. Maybe I'll put on put it on today because it doesn't look like it's going to win here. Nope. Patrick Testa says, I was hoping to hear the torture in Jay's voice as he reviewed the program drums on Joe Strummer's album, but alas, Slush Split is a great record. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa. What? He thought you were going to bash on Joe Strummer. I, which think I, I think I like that album, actually. I remember, Interesting. Okay. I, I remember, I don't know if it's that album or maybe it's Streetcore, but you told me that his rendition of redemption song was one of the favorite your favorite songs yeah it's amazing so patrick Tess says i was a moderate fan of lush back in the day i bought the album first after hearing Hi- hypocrite on a dj sampler cd but i think i appreciate it even more now i really like the strings upon re-listening which i probably assume were keyboard washes back in 94 but leatherface is really good too that's a must dmo of course uh, Jeremy Amen says, quite the mix of obscure. I'm going with Gan Harvest. I have their 97 album sold for a smile, but I'm not familiar with their previous work. I'd be happy to hear a review of any of these. And Alex Gibson says, Mush shouldn't be up for a vote. It's the kind of record that should have been reviewed here years ago. Well, a lot of them are. I mean, we should have reviewed Lush years ago. Being from Sunderland rather than Sacramento, St. Paul, or Salt Lake City, must be the reason is missed. In 2012, Enemy put it at number one of their lost albums, Ripe for Rediscovery. Punk News describes Leatherface as easily one of the greatest punk rock bands of the 90s, if not all time. In 2015, it was described in The Guardian as that rarest of musical gifts, a truly perfect album. So, Tim and Jay's duty to review this album as soon as possible. Someone can choose it for their 12-month pick. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Frank Garcia, hell, I would love a Drop 19's Delaware episode, but I'm more than happy Lush is winning. They never got their due. Never got their due. Well, maybe it's time we give them their their due. I don't know. And then Andrew's OC, finally. I never had listened to the Boo Radleys before, but I was familiar with the name. Really liked that first track on the record. I haven't been able to check out the whole thing yet, but it got my vote. So we know where that Boo Radley vote came from. Mr. Uh... Mr. Andrew. So 
Jay, let's talk some Lush. Split, 1994 album. Tell me one thing you liked about it. I like the, I guess, the mashup of uh, what is generally, I guess, a shoegaze sound with a more pop at times, um, kind of a pop undertone or presentation. So maybe a little faster tempos, um, a little bit more melodic sometimes. Uh, Guitars are washy, but not to the point where they drown out everything else. You know, it's still a fairly like drum heavy mix. So you get more of a, I think a pop kind of approachability to it. You know, when when the record works well for me, it's, it's in that format. I like, you know, it's interesting when you break down sonically what's going on. This is one of those records where instruments on their own don't sound great, potentially. You know, some of the guitar tones are a little not super rich. Um, the drums at times sound very artificial and drum machine-y, but when you put it all together, it it works. Like, it, they, they all complement each other and create a fullness um, and give you those textures you want from this type of music. Um, which is interesting to me. You know, I enjoyed generally the kind of production of it as well and how they brought things together and, and, and stayed true to the genre. But, you know, and vocally, I think it's mostly successful as well. You know, I think it's at times sounds a little bit like Cranberries-ish to me, like when they get, you can mm-hmm. hear her accent a little bit more um, and when it gets maybe a little folkier in the melodies. I can hear that kind of sound, um, just a touch. But other than that, you know, I think it's a strong vocal that still fits within the genre. And then there's some nice melodies that happen uh, as well, which I think elevate it to be a little bit more distinctive as well, which, you know, a lot of shoegaze you don't always hear either really present vocal or melodies. So, you know, those are all the things that I think make it unique. Um, but still have it kind of fit in that space if you're you're into that kind of music. So I didn't mention it at the top, but I want to bring it up before I start getting into what I liked. The producer on this album is Mike Hedges. Mike Hedges got his start in the late 70s and 80s with bands like The Cure and Bauhaus and Susie and the Banshees. And then into the 90s was working with The Laws and Lush and The Beautiful South. And then... Produced an album in 1996, Everything Must Go by the Manic Street Preachers, and then did the follow-up to This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours in 1998. Mm. He also did The Man Who by Travis and some U2 and The Wanna Dies. And he's got a pretty solid career of, yep. uh, you know, quite an interesting amount of stuff that he's worked on. I mean, he was the go-to guy for the cure for quite some time before moving into the 90s moving into what i like and and piggybacking on what you said i love the way this record sounds because it sounds 
like a cross between so much different things that were going on with quote unquote shoegaze. You know, when you look at the sort of uh, scale of what is shoegaze, it encompasses a lot of stuff. You've got the really noisy end of it with like My Bloody Valentine. And there are a few spots on this record where they get a little noisy and they actually get some distortion going that's kind of nasty sounding. But then you also get like the swerve driver end of shoegaze, which is much more muscular in the guitar tones and it's faster and it's more song oriented. And you get that on on some tracks here like uh, Blackout or Hypocrite, um, where they actually do have some energy to the tracks and that's what uh, you know. I mentioned Lady Killers at the beginning. That's that's where that track is. It's a bit more stripped down in terms of the the sonic uh, sound of shoegaze with the with the wall of guitar noise. And and this to me is more the almost teetering into like the dream pop end because of the use of so much like reverb and delay and clean guitars and there's a lot of vibrato and just tons of like just tons of reverb. <laughs> It, you know on the mix yeah and yeah. there's parts where they where they'd just be like drums and you just hear this echo for like a mile because there's so much reverb going on and it's just they're very unique in that space in terms of you know there are a lot of bands who did that who made really delayed echoey sounds but didn't really have a pop edge to them and you're yeah. right that this band has like a really really nice pop edge like Mickey knows how to write and Emma know how to write pop hooks vocally and they always find they're the two playing guitar and they always find interesting little guitar lines that are going on even in tracks like you know Never Never is one of the longest I think it's the longest track on the record but there's still like some interesting cool guitar leads that are going on in that song that I think in the hands of lesser bands that didn't quite match up vocally it would have been a more it would have been a lesser song but they are able to balance the the longer more self-indulgent songs where they're just sort of blissing out with the more concise three and a half three minute you know rockers essentially makes for a fun listen i i listen to this a lot just putting it on repeat and um the whole record just really flows nicely for me um i had never listened to a whole lush record all the way through so this was my first experience with that so there was a lot that i i liked listening to this and being a fan of shoegaze both from the the noisy end of like my bloody valentine to the 
So the swerve driver side of it, of it being more just a rock band, um, I think they find a nice middle space in there as well. So what did you think? There are so many effects on this record. You know, like I mentioned, vibrato and chorus and does it's weird because there is like a revival in the last couple years, probably last couple, probably last 10 years of shoegaze bands sort of incorporating some of this aspect. Um, thinking of bands like Whirl and um, oh, what was that one? They're, they're, the name of the album is Neon Chrome Jesus, and I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the band. Um, they have a very like failure-esque sound in some respects, or like Catherine Wheel. Um, what the hell is the name of that band? I gotta, I gotta search. Teenage Wrist? Yeah, Teenage Wrist, who I really like. They have a, their Neon Chrome Jesus album is really good. But does this sound sound stamped? To this era or because of the revival is it a little less stamped oh i think it sounds stamped to me um now it still has a charm to it you know sometimes stamped is like uh negative and it can't get out of that right box <laughs> um i think this it definitely sounds of the time there's no doubt about that from a production standpoint mostly um but, you know, it's a bit, I think it's a bit more like nostalgic and charming, I guess, um, as opposed to being like polarizing or unable to uh, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't find it to be a barrier, but I definitely felt like, in some songs more than others, um, I felt, felt myself thinking like, oh, wow, this really sounds like mid nineties, you know, uh, right. I, I think it was more, I think some of the drums for me, um, I'm not sure. I think there's a mix of maybe live drumming and machines, but, and then there's some, uh, I don't know what percussion tracks or something going on, Mm -hmm. uh, bongos or something. Those are the ones where I really felt like, okay, wait, you know, um, as opposed to the songs that are heavier on guitars, which uh, to me sound a little bit more timeless, I guess, or harder to kind of pinpoint when they're from. I think there's a mixture because I think like a song like undertow, it sounds like that. It sounds like it might be a, uh, a looped hi hat beat or something, you know, or, or like shaker, like electronic shaker sound. But I don't know if the drums are actually electronic if, or if he's just maybe he's playing electronic kit. I mean, those were around at that time, right? Mid or you know, mid nineties, early nineties. Yep. So I mean that that might be what he's playing because there's definitely like the drums are not consistent in terms of, like it's not the exact same snare throughout the record or there's there is some percussion stuff and I liked what Patrick said like on when I die the last track there's like some cool strings and I assumed oh those must just be like keyboard pads but. He's saying that there were actually strings on this record, so mm. which I was I was not thinking of in terms of a nineteen ninety four uh shoegaze record. Yeah, I like I like the um the use of strings or keys or whatever those are as well. Um I thought that was well done.
So what didn't work for you? Uh, track one is an is an interesting, like kind of an atmospheric, string heavy introduction to the record, mm-hmm. and then you get into this uh, span from two to four where up tempo, you get that shoot, you know, more that typical shoegaze sound. Um, I think a song like uh, I think it's Blackout. Let me make sure. Which is an Emma Anderson oh, track. Sorry. Actually, Hypocrite. Oh, okay. It's a really interesting. That's Mickey. Uh, sound. I think Blackout sounds good too, but you know, being able to find their own unique take on that type of stuff. When you get the track five, to me, it, it takes a turn, and I'm less. Well, I, w- I was thrown for a bit of a loop. So, Love Life, um, the more jangly, kind of slappy drums. Yeah, that's the jangled bit, pop, like dream pop side of it that I was talking happier about. Happier sounding. Yeah. You know? Um, so, that I think, not to go track by track, but it goes up and down for me the rest of the record from that point. Mm-hmm. So design line desire lines is a, is a nice shoegaze, like kind of epic, like building song. But I found it, I, I found myself so thrown by love life that to get into that, get, like kind of get back into that mode again, I was found it difficult. Um, I think invisible man is strong, but then undertow gets drony um, and feels like it goes on and on forever. Um, lit up. Not a huge fan. Of, again, jangly. Um, not kind of the f- sound I like from the span. Just not as interesting. Um, but then it ends strong. You know, I think Starlust, and I think When I Die gets real dramatic with those strings, and kind of gets back to what I think they do well, which is you know build drama. Yeah. You know, have have that darkness, but then like. They can, t- you know, between the way the vocals are approached and guitars approached and adding the strings, like you can really like push the emotion, um, and and play on that. And I think when they do that, uh, with the, kind of those pop sensibilities in there, I think that's when it really works well. And when they kind of just get in this slappy like dreamy pop space, it's way less compelling to me. So it's just a little inconsistent for me. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride of like. Two strong songs, and then two that are not so good, and then another that's good, and then one that's not so good, and uh, so it's a bit up and down. I think you know when I heard songs like "Love Life," those reminded me of like a Catherine Sil- Catherine Wheel song like "Balloon," where it's a bit janglier and it's a bit poppier off the first record, whereas you have the more intense and aggressive songs. Like I want to touch you and texture and that kind of stuff on that same record, and it didn't. It, I guess, I was expecting it because I've, I'm guessing I've listened to more shoegaze bands, just because I've gone through those periods where I was like, I just want to listen to a wall of noise, for, for uh, you know, a six month period or what have you, and I've gone down yep. the the drop nineteen moose <laughs> uh, avenues. And listen to all that stuff and, and, and various American bands that have done that. So it wasn't as jarring because I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's sort of the other side of it. Because, you know, these shoegaze bands would in some 
aspects would dabble into, like I mentioned, like a little janglier and a little dreamier sound. So it wasn't as big a transition for me, I guess. I will say, though, that you know people talked about this band as being they were supposed to break through and they didn't and, and that kind of stuff for 1994. I don't, this is not going to make a dent in the United States. I don't know. I mean, it's cool and all, but there are, if you, you know, we just did Nirvana's in utero, which came out in 93 end of 93 into 94. So that's the sound that's predominant at that time is right. Nirvana's in utero, uh, black, uh, uh not black, uh, bad water finger, um, super unknown by Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, dirt, uh, Pearl jams, corduroy, you know, that's, that's not corduroy, corduroy vitology. That's 93, 94. So this is way too, you know, early 90 reverbied uh reverbed out shoegaze for an american radio station it, it would get like i'm sure they, they probably played it on 120 minutes at midnight on sunday you know they played the video for whatever the single was because they right. were they were taking the chances but this is never going to make it into like regular rotation on your whatever alt station you were listening to now lady killers has a much more refined sound and it's that like delay reverb stereo uh chorus sound is gone from that song so but that's 96 and you're at the you're sort of reaching even the tail end of brit pop at that point i mean the, the blur oasis war is over at that point you're getting ready for be here now and blur's gonna go make 13 and it's like the second wave of brit pop at that point so they were just kind of the wrong band at the wrong time, I think, is why. Or they had the wrong sound. They had, they had a, an interesting sound for themselves, but just in terms of like radio in the U.S., it's just not. It just never seemed to fit for them. So, even though they had some success in the U.K. Right. So, let's talk about our. Ratings, Jay. Worthy album, better EP, or decent single? Where do you land? I'm at a, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven out of 12. That's a solid, that's a really solid EP. Uh, I could throw in Desire Lines. Ooh, maybe um, you're not an album then. A 70s yeah. album. I can go with an album. I okay. mean, I I think the couple of tracks that I, I didn't like, I mean, I'm talking three, four tracks. I think on average that's, uh, I didn't hate them. You know, occasionally I would listen to them, but they weren't what I felt was like what the band did their best. So I think I can go with a worthy album. It's something I could see myself going back to. I'm glad you talked yourself up to it, Jay. I'm at a worthy album as well. I'd cut two tracks. I'd probably cut Undertow, and lit up would be the two I would cut, and I'd, yep. be, I'd be fine with everything else. Uh, I like that. I like the opener. I think it's a really interesting opener because when I first heard that, I was like, "What is going on?" 
and then it sets up the record in such an interesting way that uh, I, I this is one where I really I I actually like the track listing the way that it's sequenced. So yeah, two worthy albums for Split by Lush. We need to thank Ian Wobble and all of our commenters and voters over at Patreon. You can join us over at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com to join the conversation, be a part of the union. If you were part of the union, you would have just had access to the 20 minutes of bonus content that we did on Nirvana's In Utero for our last episode. And you'll have access to all of our 80s episode, including the one that will be coming up next month in December, our sixth 80s episode of the year. That'll be going up for a vote soon, so maybe you want to join so you can make a a suggestion and vote in our 80s poll that'll be coming up uh, just before Thanksgiving. And of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.